healthcare. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review just said, shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the next man. That right there is a lot of the Welcome back to the Basement Phone Music Lovers. You are now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses the Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual, and we have a great little, possibly an important podcast for you to kick off your week um thurston moore's got a new album out called rock and roll consciousness he's the legendary guitar player from sonic youth he sort of changed the game and uh he continues to output music at a clip that is uh kind of astounding i think it's like one every year one every two years he's 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 deep in it uh so eduardo and i are going to be talking about that and then after that, we're going to be playing a new track from the band called She Devils from Montreal. I'll tell you more about that a little later. But before we get into all that, I know if you are a, a follower of music news and whatnot, um, you know about the sort of Power Bottom implosion. Power Bottom is or was a band from from New York, from Brooklyn, uh, that were sort of advocating uh, for LGBTQ um, rights and and treatment of people and how they should be treated and and uh their their main guy uh ben hopkins was accused of of not just uh sexual assault but uh, but serial sexual assault in a few in the space of a week i think this uh the band sort of imploded which we're gonna we'll tell you all about it here in a second um, but it is this is an important thing because you know this is sort of a, a blight on our on our society, especially pops up in the art world, in music, in uh, you know because it's a dark CD club. People are are drinking and maybe doing drugs and things happen, and and you don't need all that combo to, for these to happen. Bad people are just bad people, but this is uh, it eases it. Let us say. Um, so joining us for that uh, rather important conversation is going to be Mr. Mark Stelling. He's going to be hanging out. And it's him, myself, him, and Eduardo, and uh, we have a lot of questions. I hope we have some answers, and I hope uh, when you guys listen to this, uh, if you have questions or answers for us, that you uh, you interact. You, you make comments. You, you email us. You let us know where we're right, where we're wrong, what we can do um, to try to... Try to make sure stuff like this doesn't happen. It, it's an impossible task, but we can at least uh, strive for it. So that's your podcast for this Monday. Uh, so I think if you're ready, if you have a uh, if you have a, a comfortable seat, you're you're good in what you're doing, and you're ready to sort of chill out for about an hour. Let's head on down to the basement. Uh, we're kicking things off talking about power bottom. Welcome back, Marcus. Welcome back, Eduardo. Uh, we're here today to talk about a album by a music legend, Thurston Moore, um, and uh, not an entirely unrelated conversation, actually. Uh, he has a new album out called Rock and Roll Consciousness. 
Uh, it is a a more cosmic album, maybe than he's been uh, making before. Uh, but before that, we won't talk about because we haven't yet uh, the, uh, the sort of crisis, the scandal, if you will, uh, that has been going on with Power Bottom and the music industry. Uh, Power Bottom is a band, uh, or was a band, uh, from New York. Uh, Liv Bruce and Ben Hopkins. They, going to yep. use proper pronouns here. They identify as, they as identify genderqueer. They identify as, as gender yeah. fluid and queer. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, in fact, I think Liv Bruce is actually transitioning. Okay. Uh, and for a couple of years now, they put on an album a couple of years ago called Ugly Cherries. Uh, they have been huge on on the scene mm-hmm. of of punk and uh, queer core is a thing. I, I, I mean, I, I I've never been to a show with. There's a lot of bands like this, but I've never been to a show where it's just like it's just like the queer audience is there. Like, but where they were winning, I think, is their message of uh, safe spaces, their message of uh, inclusivity, mm-hmm. of understanding. They were outrageous. I mean, this was like a drag show, mm-hmm. and and they they crossed that line by uh, speaking to supposedly people like them mm-hmm. uh, who were uh, good hearted and uh, and concerned about the safe space. They were sort of fighting yeah. for uh, LGBTQ rights and positioning themselves as allies to all sort of yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, leaders. yeah 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 leaders yeah. um. And doing it in a way, using music, that would also bring in people that either were all, generally already. I mean, the hardcore yeah. scene is, punk scene is is generally part of this. But uh, bringing in people that might not. You know, you, a lot of people would have heard a, you could hear a song and not know anything about them and be like, that's a poppy song. Mm-hmm. I, for one, did not care for their music. Mm-hmm. I mean, that has nothing to do with anything. So it's just, I don't like Weezer ripoffs. <laughs> yeah. But um, but so their album pageant was supposed to come out. This would be now two Fridays ago, I think. And a few days before that, uh, Facebook post, and we're gonna put links to the timelines and to a whole bunch of articles about this, including one by uh, Jess Skolnick, uh, your friend at Bandcamp, yeah. uh, who has done a lot of work in this area. Yeah, and uh, and uh, came out that in fact uh, Ben, uh, not had just sexually assaulted someone, or allegedly sexually assaulted someone, but he was a serial mm-hmm. sexual assaultist. Uh, and this is all alleged. This is all alleged. For the Chunky Glasses legal team. This is for the Chunky... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this is all alleged, uh, but it was not um, unknown, apparently, to management. Right. So while this has not been litigated anywhere, uh, this is pretty much understood that this was, this was a thing. And... Um, Somebody since then has been interviewed uh, describing a situation where uh, he, he atten- essentially attempted to rape the person, uh, mm-hmm. a female, because mm-hmm. gender fluid doesn't, doesn't really matter, uh, and uh, then sent her unsolicited naked photos. Yep. Um, you know, which is, I mean, you get on the internet, you see that, but... <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I've, been, yeah. I've, been, I've been randomly texted because people... Yeah, sending dick pics sometimes. Type in the yeah. wrong number. I told Paul to stop. So, he yeah. won't. <laughs> <laughs> but was... <laughs> wow, you too. Shit, shit, shit went down in decades, man. <laughs> uh, 
Um, so, so he sends these yeah, but, uh, unsolicited photos, and and since since this time, more and more people have come forward, and the whole situation unraveled in a way that I don't think I've ever seen happen to any band. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the whole situation is problematic. Uh, first and foremost, and we need to make this clear, because sexual assault should not be tolerated in any circumstance, uh, in any scene, in any situation. Yep. It is not tolerated. We have gotten rid of people from this site because they sexually harassed somebody over an email. It is not something that you are to do. We're all we're all we're all nodding solemnly. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. yeah. Like, and that sounded like I'm shaking my yeah. finger at it, but like right. y'all fucking know better. <laughs> um so uh when this happens, there's always a lot of questions surrounding it. Uh the first one is the legitimacy of the claims. I think the way you saw this fall apart was first off, uh, band members quit. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was first the members of who were touring the opening act, yeah, opening acts quit. Then band members started to quit. Then their right. management dropped them. Right. Uh, and at that point, I think it's safe to say, like, there's a difference between running away from bad press. Your job as a press agent or a manager is to like, s- like suffer through the storm. And when they're abandoned, and then their label uh, abandoned them, and uh, or I shouldn't say abandoned them, dumped them. And uh, and as of today, there is literally on the internet, as far as music goes, in any retailer, in any streaming service, mm-hmm. anything, there is no record of Power Bottom. Yep, that exists anywhere. Which which I have to assume part of that has to. So Power Bottom was the it was a trending story on the Washington Post today. Yep, it's gotten a lot of coverage um, everywhere, and um, it's one of those fascinating. Uh, weird things and really props props to the label for I think for making this decision um, which is that they did not uh, that no one should profit off of the kind of sensational aspects of this story because everyone knows that people were going to a lot of people we we all know Power Bottom a yeah. lot of people don't yeah. who are going to be reading about this and their first reaction would be to pull up Spotify or pull up Apple Music or wherever yes. they stream music right. and listen to them so they were going to be getting you know this this sort of incredible amount of of uh, royalties and the label said we don't want that and we don't want the band to, to profit off of this yeah. Um, yeah. and I think that's a that's a, um, a a courageous stance but it also speaks to the fact that obviously this uh, these allegations and these alleged actions um, were known to enough people who chose to repeatedly give the band the benefit of the doubt and, the, and, and for how quickly it came apart um, it really speaks to the fact that people knew that there was maybe something rotten there that they didn't want to deal with yeah Okay, so um, this thing really pissed me off. <laughs> like yeah. it, it hit like a hundred different nerves. Um, like it's it, number one. It's like it speaks to a thing with me with like the industry where like there's a lack of quality control, mm-hmm. and like if 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 a hundred people in a scene know that this one person is kind of a a, a dickhole and does shitty things to people. Which, given the number of people that have come out and said that yeah. he was a horrible human being, now it was a known fact. Yep. There was a time, um, I, I go back with this, because to me, the queer core movement is like Riot Girl 2.0. Yeah. Yeah, yeah actually. Absolutely. actually yeah. And um, it's like La Tigra. Yeah. Like when yeah. Kathleen Hanna did La Tigra with J.D. Sampson, and I forget the other girl's name, but... Um, J.D. was important in that because J.D. is, you know, like genderqueer. Mm-hmm. as well and for me jd samson was like the first gender queer artist 
I had ever really come across. Like Peaches was a thing, and and this is all kind of like the same music that Power Bottom makes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the level of quality control in the industry in like oh five, oh six, oh seven, ten years ago was so high that like those that was the only act that was really allowed to like prosper, prosper. And they have to like go through like twelve different checks before they got right out. Yeah, yeah. like you're, Kathleen Hanna had. You're, to talking, be, like, you're talking about the queer acts. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah you yeah. have to like go through like twelve different checkpoints before the major label could reach down and be like, "This is the album," and go mm-hmm. purchase the record. Here's your advance, and this yeah. thing came up, and at any point, everybody could have been like, "No." But nobody said yeah. that, which is well, bananas <laughs> to me, because even worse to me is, like, R. Kelly is allowed to, like, release music willy-nilly. There's a lot of takes on that. Chris Brown. Chris Brown. Yeah. Yeah. These are artists who get to release music all so the time. So this is one aspect that's problematic and people are, I think, rightfully concerned about. It's, like, uh, there's, bad. I think the mayor of Seattle is, is sort of under the same thing. Or he's a gay guy. Who is who is being accused uh, uh, by political opponents? Apparently, there isn't. I mean, they have no actual proof, but he's being accused of molesting like little boys. Yeah, and that's that's. I, I could be. I'm paraphrasing, uh, and obviously being reductive about that. He resigned because he says this is the that is the worst stereotype mm. that we have fought so hard to beat. Right, that right. people still come up with. That anybody who is gay is going to uh, basically assault people. They're sex crazed, right? And maybe they are, but so are straight. I mean, it's you know. <laughs> I think right. I think straight men are way more sex obsessed. I think than, you're right. Uh, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. God, it's so bad. And then it's like, what what's frustrating is that we're at a point right now in society where the one revolution musically that needs a a voice is the queer community given that Donald Trump is president given that we've right. seen mm-hmm. we've heard we've heard all the punk songs right yeah. we've heard yeah. all the hardcore songs we've heard every single indie electro remix we can think of in the world we've heard every trap dubstep moonbatone song we can think of in the world so none of that stuff is in any way progressive and revolutionary 0% of the stuff that people look to and you say, this is the progressive thing that will save the whole world. Like, YG put out a song called Fuck Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> that went wood. That literally well, sold nothing and made <laughs> nobody feel anything. And that was supposed to be the protest song. No, it was not. Because it's rap. And rap is, you can find yeah. rap for four ninety nine at at right. CBS. You know, like. <laughs> I mean, but that was the point. That was the thing. And Power Bottom was supposed to be the group. Right, and the guy who's at the head right. of it is a worse sexual predator than Donald Trump is. Yeah, and, and so I, I mentioned me. I don't want to get like too into that side of it, but he was also like a couple of years ago some picture, something about a picture with him uh, with a swastika, thinking it's funny. Yeah, and I mean, like, who cares about that? But that, the only thing that indicates is that somebody's a douchebag, right? Like, and and I don't think you know his excuse for that was. Uh, and this isn't honestly ganging up on him for that, but his excuse was essentially saying, "Oh well, I, I thought being politically incorrect was 
was funny then and stuff. I mean, when people are younger, uh, you just do stupid shit. One of the stupid shit, one of the stupid things you don't do is sexually assault someone. Uh, that, Se- several people, <laughs> right? That, or that, like, is, that is sociopathic yeah. behavior. Yeah, right. That is it's predatory. It, it, it's predatory. Yeah. It's an infection in our society, and you know it's not related to like, haha, look at the swastika. Yeah, it's related yeah. to I want right. to harm, yeah, psychologically uh, and physically someone, and again, can't be tolerated. But yet we see time and time again that it is tolerated and it's tolerated especially in the music industry uh or entertainment industry because of reputation the one thing i wanted to like discuss about this matter is how do we encourage people uh if you see to, something say something to see something because <laughs> yeah. so i i had, when when this was breaking last week i had a uh, Dari and i had a long discussion about this because it was just something i, I needed to understand i'm a very um, uh, justice-oriented person. Yeah. Do, 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 do process-oriented? No, I'm binary yeah. in that in that sense because I am just like this is right, this is wrong, and I and those opinions can change, right? Right. But but there is very clear if it's wrong, it just don't fuck with it. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> right. So so what I was having a problem with, and. uh and please don't stop listening, listener, when you hear this. Like, listen to the whole conversation. What I was having a problem with is is why uh, when either uh, this guy Ben or anybody in this type of situation, and and I understand it in a in a in a, a rape case, I, I do, but in in this case of sexual harassment, why not come forward immediately? What what's at stake there? Because well, wow, and this is what Daria explained to me, and, and she's right. There is no responsibility on the victim. Mm-hmm. And that is not at all what I'm saying. But at the same time, it can't get any better unless the victim says something about it. And, well, huh. and, and that is actually still sort of breaking my brain because, you know, this the person who was interviewed came forward anonymously, and which is fine, but only after the fact, after this blew up. Whereas the end result is more people are victimized. Well, I have, I have, I mean, uh, just two very quick thoughts that I have on that is that for a long time, Bill Cosby's first accuser Mm -hmm. was just one person. Right. And she was right. She endured months worth of news cycles Mm -hmm. until other women came forward. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's one thought that I have about, uh, being the first person to come forward. The other thought I have is that half a dozen women came out and 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 uh, talked about Donald Trump yeah. um, doing things uh, that were clearly uh, inappropriate and consistent with what's being alleged in these stories. And not a, and he paid not a goddamn cent in in terms of I mean I don't mean like money I mean in terms of like 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 the the cost. For him doing what he did, and for six different women coming forward with similar stories, so, was zero. So to that and point, so when you so see that, that, when you see that, I, right, I, what's I, the what's the takeaway? So to that point, though, does that mean we have just given up in trying to do the right thing? I think it's, because we yeah. we can't because what we're saying when we do that, and and by not putting up and look, we're guilty. We're three dudes sitting in the basement. We're mm-hmm. guilty. by not putting up something in place. 
where the second this happens, somebody can come forward and say something, whether you're gay, whether you're straight, whether you're black or you're white, whatever, yeah. whatever it is, can come forward and say something, and at least you might not get the resolution you, you want, but at least action will be taken. There's, How do we get to that point? Yeah. That there's, a, there's a part that's missing here, is that um, punk and underground scenes are like high school. For it's a group of kids. It's like if, so. Imagine like from high school. If you take all the kids in high school who were like picked on and ostracized, and you put them all in a room, and they have like a scene that is largely defined by these people, mm-hmm. then these are people who have internalized for years the idea that bad things happen and that bad people win. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a real narrative well, there. Well, look at it. I mean, that. look at it from a larger problem. Look at it from racism, right? When was it? When and we know the answer. It was the civil rights movement. Yeah. When did people say like, you know what? Fuck this. But we're also in the era. A lot of, of us are still saying. A lot yeah, of us are right. still saying that. <laughs> right, but we're, but, we're but in like, an era where the reason you're able to sit here, yeah. Marcus, right. is because people said fuck this and they burned DC down. Of course, no, I agree. <laughs> so. But I think that there's a there's a thing with also this is an entire scene also of beta males. There's and literally there's like one alpha and he's like part of a beta scene. Mm-hmm. So like there's a there's a weird subversive mind fuck that's involved in all of this and you have to like break the the uh, you have to break the cycle that comes from when you have somebody who's like doing a weird subversive mind fuck on you and doing a weird subversive mind fuck on many people and like that's right, the hard part right, you have right, to right, right. and so breaking the the mind fuck of that is hard because if you're the person that yeah. says that that you are saying that there is something that's like horribly afoul in in the, the land of Denmark or whatever. You're like, okay, so this is horribly afoul. So then that makes people wonder, well, why am I doing this? And then it's like, well, we need safe space. And then it's like, well, if I can't find safe space, then where do I go? You end up going somewhere worse. So instead of putting it out there, you just don't say anything to save whatever sliver of... Mm-hmm normalcy quote-unquote you you have part of part of it i think is that in these scenes there's a fan there's a a fantasy that you've somehow created a kind of mini utopia that's yeah. exempted from the real societal problems right. out there and then that's um, when you get people yeah, like and this so, and so admitting it admitting yeah. that like oh the same kind of structural inequalities that play out out there can happen in here right it it it, it, it takes a little while to process that yeah, I think. you don't want you don't want to be the one to ruin your scene like that's the yeah, hardest thing. Yeah. You don't want to be the one to like ruin there, your scene and bring it down and bring and, the cops in or bring in, uh, you know, you don't want to bring in the cops. You don't want to bring in negative stigma. You don't want to bring in any of that stuff. There's I mean, another weird it's thing. Hard. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I was going to say it, when I've dealt with situations like this in the workplace, um, in my office, we have sexual harassment training, and then there's a special sexual harassment training for people who are um, who have unique legal obligations, and so if you're uh, if you're, you know, middle management or above and someone reports something to you, then you're told this counts as the your employer knowing. Right. And so if you don't report this up the chain, um, the fact that, you know, it doesn't make me personally responsible for that, but it means that it's been reported. And so now m- the company can be sued for failing to act on the information that was provided right, to us. Right. One of the uh, this is going to sound sort of like boomerish or or whatever, but. Um, one of the things that you have when you have an economy that's that's not, you know, organizations have formal legal responsibilities. In the 990 economy, you don't, right? right? 
And so and so one of the things that that breaks down a little bit is that no one really had uh you know power bottom didn't work for the label they have a contract which the which which has right. terms of how right. they can be dispelled but 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 no one who was a victim allegedly a victim in this story um has uh, a supervisor or a whistleblower number to call with right. confidence that something will be done right. because it's not right. a formal organization there they isn't a formal that, structure there a goofy email thing up like Email yeah, us I mean, that, that was, if you're a victim. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was that was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, it, 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 that, was, just, that was terrifying, right? Because because we're going to keep a list, <laughs> right? Yeah, like yeah. I mean, I mean that's really what it was. Yeah. And you know, to the people who are, who are out there on the side of uh, a good friend of mine, well, everybody I know is lawyers, but a good friend of mine, in Richmond, is a lawyer, and uh, you know, I I posted something on Facebook about this, and then he said, "Hey, uh, it'd be nice to see." Facts come out about this, and uh, and uh, Alex Sheldorf actually just responded, "Fuck you, dude!" And like both of those are, are great people, yeah. right? And both of them are right, you know. But uh, if we're talking about criminal charges, yes. But if we're talking about the label, the, the, exactly the, the label cutting them, the only thing that matters is what's in the contract and what says when the <laughs> exactly label can terminate that contract. Because that's because the only fact that matters. Two, so. Because one of two things happens at that point: either because this stuff is built into contracts with people. Right. Yeah, exactly. Sort of, clause. sort of behavior clause, yeah. Yep. Uh, so one of two things happens. They satisfied the being a fuck up enough to do that. Mm -hmm. Or the label decided it's worth the risk. Right. And that those decisions aren't made lightly. So for anybody right. thinking, like, there needs to be more proof out there, there probably will be more proof. I mean, if he doesn't suffer criminal charges, I would be shocked. Yeah. Uh, I, I especially because of all the attention that has come to this, but uh, as far as independent entities dropping him or you know doing whatever, like good on them. Yeah. Like they made a decision, and that's sort of what I'm talking about. Is like when we, I have never seen a label do something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's sort of unprecedented. You know, talk, talking about uh, talk, when yeah, I said yeah. we're going to get back to the Kesha thing. The cash that maybe, and I sort of still stand by this, maybe like the reverse of this, right? Where nothing happened, but right. but but yeah. but you know now Sony is so tired of dealing with this fucking shit. Well, that, read. But there's no there's no impact on Doctor Luke, right? The guy is richer than rich, so, so. so who cares if he gets off Sony? But they didn't make that decision in, in the first place. They tried to let it ride and yeah. look at it as a way that maybe we got to figure out how we can make money off this either way. Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's, there's like two or three things here. Like number one, Kesha had songs that we were, they're sitting on and, you know, Kesha's mm -hmm. a pop artist so you can make money off of her. Number two, um, Kesha's not like the leader of an underground to mainstream scene that the, that could yeah. be, that <sighs> could be, well, she's not. She's not like she's. I, not, I think she occupied the same space. But I don't think she did though. Like in, in the sense of like, you could see Power Bottom headline in like a grungy bar somewhere in America. They were at that like grungy hipster bar right, right. level. They were at like playing like five thousand seat rooms. This store, this store was rooms. supposed to be a black cat, right? Yeah. So they weren't playing thousand seat rooms yet. So they're still at a level where like you know Kesha could play 
the Verizon Center and sell it out. But that's my point, is that Kesha played the Verizon Center, so she had gone through all this and had become a icon but, but to this exact same crowd. The, but Not to the me, funk but side to of me, it, but... there's, a, there's an inflection point thing with Power Bottom that makes it different. Like, they sat mm-hmm. on an inflection point that is going to become the next hipster generation, the next people that, like, push okay, yeah, where I see, I see what you're saying. the industry goes. Yeah. So they occupied that space. They were sitting yeah. on top of the button at that moment. Like, the, like you know, like the MIA button that yeah. she was on, like, 08, like, the, the button well, that, like, say... Uh, Nirvana was on yes, in yeah. like '93. They were sitting like right there. But they, and, and, so, and they had courted a scene with a very specific. So, so this would be tantamount to like it coming out that Fugazi voted for Reagan. Right? Like, I mean, I mean, and I don't want to make light of this. Yeah, but, we, but, we like, can't. Fugazi, we can't because, yeah. because bad politics is way different than sexual no, assault. Yeah, I mean, of course, of course. So, no, so it's thank it's you for clarifying that. But their cred in the scene was entirely based on on kind of the position they took. Yes. And 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 these acts violate completely the position they took. Yeah. So I mean, that's the thing. It's like they're like right there. Yeah. And like to me, like that's the difference between like the Kesha situation where like also they hadn't made a hit yet. So there's no like yeah. worth to them outside of right. the fact that like you could position power bottom. When you have power bottom on your you could position them however you want to like make the statement that culture needs to make. Like with Kesha, she is literally a an employee of a label. So there's a right. who's right. a yeah. demonstrable and- hit maker and does her job well. So it's like it's and that, and those are two could be like different. They're they're on, on the same side of the coin, but occupy different parts of the coin. One one, um, one kind of hypothetical uh, question that I have um, is, and I'm, I I think this is a testament to maybe how much things have changed. Is I keep trying to think of like how the accusations against Isaac Brock from Modest Mouse mm-hmm. would have played out because that happened in '98 or '99 yeah. or something, and the stranger spent a fuck ton of time. Um, uh, reporting that story and other media outlets did too. And for about two or three years, every time Isaac Brock did anything, um, the the allegations of rape um were part of the article. And I don't I don't pretend to really know anything about what happened there, but I just know that they sort of event like eventually that stopped being part of Isaac Brock's narrative, and he got to go do Ugly Casanova and Modest yeah. Mouse got right. back together and Social did that media. W- woefully bad album. Yeah, I don't, but and, and and so I don't. I guess I guess one thing to, you know, there there didn't seem to be a pattern of behavior, and there have never been other similar accusations against Isaac Brock. Right. We don't know at the time if there were other people raising their hands saying, "Oh, he did that to me too." Right. Right. Um. But but I just but 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 part of me wonders not that like not that his career after that has been so great, and we would have been deprived of all this great music. Yeah. yeah. Float on. <laughs> but um. But but I do I do sort of wonder about just what that's just what that says about um, and maybe it's because the music industry is smaller and you have to watch over you know now you're sort of there's fewer dollars um, you have to have a certain reputation and try to uphold a certain standard and so the minute malfeasance is exposed you just say I'm 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 cutting my losses yeah. well, date, I, I, but, I think what it says I think and I think it creates a, a more dire situation. Um, as far as being able to uh, fight this type of behavior, is that the entertainment industry, not just the music industry, just entertainment in general, um, or the world, let's just go with the world, is lousy with this type of behavior. 
This is this yeah, is this yeah. is this is not an outlier. It is in every industry, this is, this, it's not ben, because ben it's Hopkins, not because it ben was Hopkins a, is yeah. the guy that got caught. Right. There's easily a yeah. hundred, probably a thousand bands that have slept on your floors that have done the same thing. Yeah. Every the the thing and it, yeah, Axel Rose. Lest a- we forget, Axel Rose. right, <laughs> right, right, Axel Rose, um, and and so it's what we, I guess, allow and what we accept. What's what's the cost to us? What what is it worth to us to be entertained? Is it worth tolerating that we know this about a person? Like how how do we how do we balance like the the personality with the art? There's, and this goes beyond personality. Yeah. If you're talking about Conway Kanye being an asshole, that's one thing. If you're talking about Kanye raping somebody, which he didn't, I'm not yeah, I'm not implying right, that. Right. But if you're talking about doing that, anybody who doesn't drop him, and we're talking about this honestly in in a larger sense in the political climate we have going on right now. Yeah. If you're a Republican, not not I'm I'm not trying to zoom out too far and marginalize this issue. If you're a Republican right now who isn't stepping up and being like, yeah, we actually do need to do something about the Russia like investigation and everything, then you are complicit. <laughs> yeah. Like there well, there, there is a, there is a line where we all become and I'm I'm not none of us in this room are immune. No. Where we yeah, become yeah. complicit in doing this. And so what 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 can we put in place and what can people put in place so that we can avoid that? Because we don't even realize it. I'm I'm gonna say this. I say that it's it comes down to this. You have to police your scene. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. if you yep. have a local scene and and not that I like call myself a cop in DC or anything, but it's a thing that I take very Right. Very, very seriously about this music scene in this city. And whatever city you live in, if you're listening to this podcast, you should do the same thing. Um, police your scenes. Don't let anything or anybody out of your scene that is terrible and horrifying in any way and could mm-hmm. potentially like lead to terrible and horrifying things happening to people who are similarly like you or like similar things that you do or possibly, you know, could be a pop mainstream thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to police your scene like i can't say it enough and this goes to like politics if you're in the republican party police your party yeah. if you're in the democratic yeah. party police, police your, your party. party yeah like you can't let these yeah. people out like if you know that like if 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 the guy at power bottom's a douche and you know he's a douche like cut stop yeah. that band before because these labels don't know any better. I, I mean, yeah. like I know, I know what we're gonna do personally. Yeah, we're we're going to do that from now on. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you we hear to. something about somebody, we're going to say it on air. Yeah, to hundred thousand downloads, Good. we're gonna get this year. Mm-hmm. That's people that are likely to hear it. Yeah, yeah, you have to. You have to do that because this did have to happen. Ten years, and that's uh, the crazy part to me that makes me angry. It's like ten years ago, this never happened. I can think of, I can name five bands off the top of my head that were in Brooklyn in that era that didn't make it out because somebody said somewhere this person is an idiot asshole douchebag Mm -hmm. motherfucker that we can't let Mm -hmm. out of Brooklyn, Baltimore, D.C. But it's complicated too because then what is acceptable is like is it okay like oh guy is a really bad heroin addict and steals money from all my friends but he makes really sweet tunes is that okay? I mean obviously obviously that obviously that doesn't even compare to sexual assault. Yeah. And I, and I want to take a minute. We're going to re- keep reiterating this. <laughs> yes. Do not <laughs> sexual assault. <laughs> right. Like, so, well, if, if somebody doesn't invite you into their personal space, don't go. get in it. it it's, just a, it's just a rule. Yep. Like, do not get I don't care how drunk you are. 
I don't care how fucked up you are. I don't care how sober you are if you're trying to make a move. If somebody does not invite you, you can't, like our president, move in on her like a bitch. Right. Yep. No grabbing the, the pussy. The hardcore, uh, the guy who does the hardcore history podcast did a, um, uh, he did a uh, Genghis Khan uh, thing. And toward the end of it, he kind of meditates about um, the what happened with the Mongol Empire and, and, and the fact that it started to... So, you know, any evil regime, and this includes the the worst of the worst, it includes like uh, Stalin murdering 60 million people. It includes um, um, Mussolini and Hitler. Every regime has has done something good. They, there has been some, whether it's like in the case of... of <laughs> trains of, running on time. Yeah, right. Yeah. right. Yeah, the trains yeah, ran on is. time or, or, or they helped standardize, you know, you know, yeah. the Mongols brought a number of things to Europe that would not have been there. And they created basically a they they created roads. They did all these things. And he says, and so when historian, when we look at it today, we say this thing that happened 800 years ago, like the, the human toll of it is much smaller and we can say, oh, but it advanced commerce or right. it advanced this or that. Um, and his take is basically, um, none of us are in a position to say whether those advances were justified, whether the human toll was worth it. And the only people who are, are the people who, who paid that price. Yeah. Right. So, so unless you're a victim of it, you can't, you can't assess whether... Yeah, the artistic benefit of having someone like that being allowed to make music is worth the price that someone paid. Only the person who paid that price is in any position to comment, right. which I think is a good. It's yeah. a good rule. It works in a lot of situations, actually. Yeah, yeah, but yeah definitely. So, I mean, this is obviously a. Uh, we could probably talk about this for a lot longer. Can I bring some levity to this? Because I just got a text from home from uh, sure. from my wife saying, "So we have an intern renting a room in our basement from us." And he asked if I was uh, taping the Chunky Monkeys. <laughs> so, to end on a positive note, the Chunky Monkeys. The Chunky Monkeys. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, there's obviously a lot more to say. That in the, in the uh, show notes for this one, we're going to have links to a bunch of articles about this. We're going to have links to a bunch of organizations uh, that uh, offer up safe spaces, places you can donate yeah. to. Uh, organizations that offer up counseling, uh, so that if you are affected by this, have been assaulted, uh, or worse, uh, that you can, uh, at least talk to it in confidence. I mean, that is, and, and that, that's the last, the last thing I want to say about that is that it is, it's impossible for us to know, even though men can be raped. Mm-hmm. Men can be sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think us in our position being like, I'm a 45 year old man. Like none of us are in, in scenes where this is going to happen to us. Right. So it is impossible for us to imagine this. Uh, but it is important. I think that said to know, even if you don't feel you can report something like this to authorities, it is v- it will kill you if you don't find somebody to talk to mm-hmm. about it. And yeah. I, I don't know how often that, maybe that's the message that people send about it, but, but I, I know from, I mean, my degrees in psychology, I know how survivors of abuse, like the pro the issues they have, they, they never go away, first of all, but one step is just finding somebody which is yep. hard. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it's, like, it, it, it's it's hard, but uh, the hardest, like you, you already went through the hardest thing. 
the worst. Right. Right. So find find a friend, reach out to him, mm-hmm. and and you'll know who your friends are. And if who you're you? and if you're and if you're the friend who gets reached out to, um, yeah. You know, I think I think Kevin, you made a really you made a really good point, which is that there's there's zero obligation on the part of the victim. So so nope. if you're the friend, you're there to listen, you're there to help. Absolutely. You know, a lot a lot of us have been in that position, don't and judge, sometimes we've not say been anything. Either. Just say, "What yeah. can I do for yeah. you?" Uh, I always say this about like underground to mainstream music. Um, the best underground to mainstream music is not good music; it's music that comes from good people and good people that supported good yep. this good yeah. music, so that then the goodness in the music is amplified by the fact that good people make it. So there's a real mm-hmm. value then. And like when I say police, you're seen police, you're seen because the better the people are that occupy your spaces, the safer yeah. they are and the better the music sounds. Yeah. So that's the thing. It's like you get to root for good people that way. Exactly. Right. right. <laughs> and it's, and that makes it all worthwhile. Like this, this power bottom thing is an example of the very polar opposite happening, and mm-hmm. we you just yeah. can't let that happen and, again. And it's not the first, and it won't be the last, right? But mm-hmm. but we need to really, and people are already I know this, but we need to really get together, figure out <laughs> this is a, this is an achievable goal. I yeah. think to yeah. end this. And so. I'll say my my final point about this is like if you know somebody who's an asshole in your scene, and we all know like five assholes in all of our scenes. We can probably sit here and name five mm-hmm. people that we think are just like, what, what, what is this? What is homeboy or homegirl doing? Like, what, what in the hell? And you have to do that in your scene, and everybody does it. So, like, if you know that person, just pull that person aside and explain to them, "Hey, man, mm-hmm. I know what you are doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah. Or else. And if it's just based on being an asshole, Marcus, we got to talk. Right. Of course. <laughs> I know. No, I know. No. Uh, <laughs> all right. We're going to, Marcus, you're going to head out, but yeah, yeah, yeah. when we come back, and Laura and I are going to talk about some first and more. Here's some strong for you. Tripper, 
that track is Exalted. That is Thurston Moore off of his fifth solo LP, mm-hmm. uh, Rock and Roll Consciousness. Now, Thurston Moore, uh, I'm embarrassed that we have to give any introduction to this. He is part of the groundbreaking group Sonic Youth, uh, mm-hmm. ex-husband to Kim Gordon, the superior Kim Gordon. <laughs> I will say that. <laughs> He's also a tall motherfucker. I saw him with the black cat, and he was like honestly one of the tallest guys I've ever yeah, been he's, in the he, he's, he's, he's massive, and he and he wore like crazy like orange pumas before indie kids thought it was cool yes, to wear sneakers. Yes, yes. So. But I mean, he, that was the the whole New York yeah, Brooklyn yeah. scene there. Um, you know, he was in Sonic Youth for fuck. How long were they band? Like from like years? basically like eight, it's like eighty one or two through yeah. like. I mean, I think their last release is 2010. It was that uh, Eternal, I think, was yeah. like 2010 or 11. So. so close to 30 years. Yeah. And then uh, his relationship with Kim Gordon disintegrated, as did the band at that point. Correct. Uh, for better or for worse, indeed. The is... last, last show played was in Sao Paulo in Brazil. Was it? Yeah. I didn't <laughs> know that. That's when it all ended. Um, after that point, uh, or since before that, he's done some, uh, starting in 1995, he did some solo albums. Mm-hmm. It's Psychic Carts, then uh, Trees Outside the Academy, 2007. Demolished Thoughts uh, was in 2011. That's the acoustic one. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah out of Matador. And then in 2014, I think we did, re- I think Paul and I reviewed that album, uh, The Best Day. Okay. Uh, it was out in 2014. And so now here, three years later, on a different label on Caroline, mm-hmm. which is the label that gave us Smashing Pumpkins Gish, if I am not mistaken, <laughs> damn, a, a whole different podcast, but but uh, uh or G Chat, we'll, we'll, we'll publish the G Chat in the show notes. Um, and now he's on that, and and this is uh, but if you read anything about this, this is more uh, supposedly exploring his hippie side. I never really considered him a hippie, but he considers himself a hippie. So uh, doing that, uh, arguably about a cosmic quest, um, and uh. Working with the same band he worked with before, which is uh, My Bloody Valentine's Deb Gooch. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, James Seward's on guitar. She's on bass. James Seward's on guitar. And Steve Shelley, mm-hmm. who was a longtime guy in, in Sonic Youth. Sonic Youth, yeah. like, switched around drummers a lot. Drummers, and then Mark Eibold from Pavement played bass yeah, in Sonic yeah. Youth for the last yeah. four or five years or something. Um, you know, but, but to that idea, this is about a cosmic quest. You know, isn't that what all space rock is about? <laughs> It, it it is it is. So how he's, is that a selling point here? Eduardo? He's been at well. I think he's. I think if anyone, if anyone in indie rock, whatever that term still means, if anyone who survived the kind of the nineties, um, you know, Nirvana blow up, you know, bands that had no business being on the cover of magazines, being featured on uh, the national news. Uh, if anyone gets to make this album, I think it's him. Um, because I think even though he's never come across as a hippie, I think um, like he he and he and Trey from Fish get along famously. Um, I mean, Lee, guitar players, yeah. Lee Lee Ronaldo is Ronaldo. Uh, is on the Grateful Dead compilation. Um, they've always had this weird sort of uh, jammy side. It's just that they jammed with feedback as yeah, opposed. Yeah, I mean, to Sonic Keys was, was often referred to as the, the noisy Grateful Dead. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and then, yeah, there, there was a lot in there. Was a lot in common in the DNA there yeah. uh, to what they were doing. If the, you're paying attention, they, they also they also have a beat poetry side, which yeah. which feeds directly into you know. There's a reason that like Neil Cassidy is driving the Grateful Dead's bus. Like yes. Um, 
all of the all of the, so it, it's sort of a different branch of the same tree. We talked a little bit about that with television. I think how there's mm-hmm. this sort of psychedelic urbane punk thing that yep. wasn't that far from from the dead and all that. So so I I don't. <sighs> And also, it's probably worth pointing out that like Stephen Malkmus has been fronting a jam band for the past three or four has records he? in the Jicks, and that they, I mean, I mean, real emotional trash is sort of a a prog jammy thing. Um, they Fast do and loose uh, with the the terminology, man. Well, well they're not loose. they're not they're not really a jam band, but but they do but they do. And ever since John Moen left the band and, and went to the Decemberists, um, the Jicks have been a lot looser. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's that's not who we're here to talk about what he talked about to Rolling Stone with this album is um, because he teaches at at Naropa now, which Mm -hmm. is the Allen Ginsberg founded Buddhist uh, school in Boulder. Yeah. And he was trying to talk about this idea of um, the religiosity of rock and roll, um, which at 58, you know, you tend to get a little contemplative and and all that. Um, And, 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 and I was, as I was reading these words of his, I was thinking, you know, that, that those of us who were like used to going to like, if you're in a random town, you go find the record store and you go there. And in a weird way, it's sort of like those, you know, you'll see posters that you recognize, you'll see um, releases that you see in every, right. It's sort Mm -hmm. of like, and then you're, you have this feeling of like, I'm with my people. Which yeah. is which is not which is not unreligious, which is not <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, right. It's not exactly. it's it's like, well, I'm I you know, some I yeah. have coworkers who are in a town, they have to go to mass, like I have to go find the record store and I have yep. to spend I have to spend at least forty five minutes in there. Yeah. Um and and it is sort of a continuum or it gives you a sense of constancy. And so he's trying to do all that. He's also trying to use lyrics uh written by um a transgender poet named uh Radio Radio, I believe. Um, and so probably about three quarters of this album comes from, um, uh, comes from, guy comes he from met poems. In London, he, moved yeah. to, he moved to London for a while. Yes. And yes. then, and then met this guy and, and they apparently did some projects together just like sort of off the records. So. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Which, which, which Thurston Moore has been, you know, in addition to being in Sonic Youth, um, if you're, if you look through record bins, you'll find un unpublished uncatalogued thurston moore you know i had i had a a cd from a show that he played during hurricane irene yeah that was just 45 minutes of feedback um and it was a thurston moore thing but but the other cool thing so here's here's something i learned um uh the 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 like the boards and all the recording equipment uh these are these are like from these were used by pink floyd these this is what emotional rescue was recorded on (laughs) so if we're if we're going to invoke that for chris stapleton it has to be it has to be admissible here i mean but 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 but, i mean if 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 i hadn't read that and uh and knowing that then i I can category say it was a waste yeah uh and 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 i'm and there's not mean i'm about the shit on this album uh you know if you know sonic youth's work then you you know that it is uh, 99% about aesthetic. In my opinion, maybe uh, and if you feel free no, to I have, I have this, I have a, an important thought related to that. Um, I don't know if it's important, and, but I have a thought. And it is an important aesthetic. Like without Sonic Youth, you don't have a lot of modern music period. I mean, that's, that's, that's a fact. They, you find bands and this is part of the reason why they were called the, the, the louder Grateful Dead. When you have movements like we had uh, in the 60s with psychedelia mm-hmm. and with punk and noise and art rock in New York uh, in the 70s and 80s. And honestly, the movements that we haven't seen since. I don't count mm-hmm. grunge as a movement. I mean, that's recycling 
a bunch of stuff. Um, it's not necessarily important uh, to think about them in terms of like where's the hit song. I mean, this was underground stuff, so obviously there's right, not going to be a right. hit song. But regardless, if you're listening to at all popular music, you're looking for that hit. So with Sonic Youth, they had like everything off Goo, everything yeah. off Teenage Daydream. Every, yeah. You know, it, you know, it, right. it, it, they had it, and and there were better albums and there were worse albums. But in my mind, they were always more, uh, much like the, the I view the dead. They were always had more in kin with jazz and jazz bands than mm-hmm. anything else because. If you saw them do this stuff, it was exponentially more powerful than if you listened to it on a record. Yeah. Uh, well, now five records in, and I don't know how many fucking Sonic Youth. There's a lot of Sonic Youth records, guys. There are so many. <laughs> There's so many. They're like they're they're special imprint SYR alone. I you think could, there are like you ten or eleven like a releases. Super fan and you probably missed at least five. Yep. yep. It's and, not, it's not a good fan. It, it's not a good band to be a completist with. No. <laughs> You're never gonna get there. Um. I'm I'm torn with this between wanting somebody like Thurston Moore or anybody associated with this band, what they put out. Do I want them to do something new? Do I want to see an evolution in their career, or do I want, or am I satisfied with them just doing the thing the that thing, they're doing? Yeah, I, I think it was one or two years ago, Lee Ronaldo put out um that I was like thrilled with because this was taking a lot of what Sonic Youth did and putting it honestly more into a pop thing, mm-hmm. which which they had never they had literally never done. Right. Right. Like the the point of Sonic Youth was uh, abrasiveness to the yep. point you had to like it if you were a fan of like quote unquote art, but it the point was it it was grating. Yeah. And Lee Ronaldo comes along and does his thing. This to me sounds like every single thing that uh, Thurston Moore has ever done, and I, I'm struggling with whether or not that's a good or a bad thing. Well, I can tell you what would be a bad thing, which is that in that I think it was in that Rolling Stone article in that interview, he he talks about how much he loved his seat at the table and how he thought that was the most important recent record, and yes. how uh, current you know currently whatever you consider indie or alternative that there's basically nothing groundbreaking or amazing and that that's not and and he even says that's why we had chuck d on cool on uh was a cool thing on uh yeah, on Goo. cool thing yeah, yeah. um and uh because they were recording next door and they would like go over and talk to public enemy and so but, and they and, but, they, and, but and, and that, at the time they were already saying the music they were doing and goo was 86 or 88 yeah yeah, yeah yeah at the time at that time they were saying punk rock is not protest music punk rock is not the agent of change right, and, it's but you only got dead. that if you were in new york and they uh, yeah, and they, right, they are right. all remarkably plugged in like them david yep. burn all the members of the of the of talking heads yep like all those type of people the cbgb's crowd if you will are plugged into that and recognize that early and and yeah and so you saw that cross-pollination of stuff like that because when you have chuck d sit in uh r- like talking against kim gordon it feels natural yeah yeah, yeah. um but it but it's so I think what what confuses me, well, first of all, I'm glad he didn't try to do his own take on mm-hmm. a seat at the table, because I think a 58-year-old white dude named Thurston, <laughs> uh, who's really into avant-garde music and fashion, yeah, is yeah, not yeah. going <laughs> to give you a good take on a seat at the table. Um, 
but but I think I think what's baffling to me is is why there's been so little like forward progress in his music. Um, uh, when he's saying that back in '88, this music was already stale, right? Right. And so and so right. you see in Sonic Youth him fighting against that and the fact that they have you know those weird SYR series and and just other really complicated things. You know, I, I have a friend Dave Hirsch who loves to talk about seeing them open for Neil Young mm-hmm. and how Neil Young's crowd you know, two thirds of which is just people who were there to hear keep on rocking in the free world and out come these kids and hit them with 75 (laughs) minutes of noise. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's also funny to go back to listen to dirty, um, which I did this past week. I hadn't listened to the deluxe edition yet. Watching machine. Um, yeah. yeah. Everything from that era. Yeah. Well, 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 dirty at the time was their sellout album. because I think they were on Geffen. Yep. Um, and it was supposed to be a like, well, this thing is over. And I went back and listened to Dirty, and it is fucking tight and abrasive as shit. Yep. Um, and a song like Swimsuit Issue, uh, which is a Kim Gordon song, like sounds as relevant today, actually given what we just talked about with Power Bottom. Yeah. Um, uh, it's weird. Like that was supposed to be like a political protest song, yeah. and I didn't think that 25 years later it would sound as powerful as it still does. Yeah, it's badly, kids. That gum does not ever go out of style. Yeah. I do think there are um, the third song on this turn on yeah. um, is uh, a lot of these songs are long and jammy and um, it's a it's a cool little number. It has a little bit of danger. Right. It has those those guitars well, that you love out of a Sonic Youth yeah. type song. Let, let, let's check that out. We'll come back and we'll talk about guitars and and uh, I think the place uh, uh, whether or not this album even needs to exist. Okay.
turn on uh, Thurston Moore, that is, I mean, that, that's some solid, like, late 80s Sonic Youth. And, and, and for me, that's the problem. Uh, the, you know, we've talked about why he hasn't progressed. And I, and I'm, we're not saying I don't think that he needs to. I think a person's, the way a person expresses themselves is the way they express themselves. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that's what you buy into. You know, there's a lot of talk these days about, like, you have to, to make it in music, you have to have brand synergy and stuff. But these are the brands. These are, yeah. these are the yeah. icons. These are, these are like, if, if you pick up a Thurston Moore record, you know what you're going to get because that's Thurston Moore. And often we celebrate stuff where people are like, wow, he really pushed himself. But really, what we right. want, what we want, is just more thirst and more. To that, like I, I would say, given the state of the music economy right now and what we're doing, and in reading interviews with him about this, you know, he said he can't believe he's still doing this. Mm-hmm. Basically, he's like, "Yeah, we're the band that shows up like every three years at this place in Boston." Yeah, and and, and then we're doing that. If you if you know an album isn't going to sell, then why bother putting it out? Because to me, everything on this album, first of all, everything on this album, as a Sonic Youth fan, given enough time, I almost did this in GarageBand, like, you and I and Andre could actually reproduce this album. <laughs> and that is no slight uh, on, on these guys. These guys are all great musicians. But we're sort of competent. Yeah, yeah. So, so, because it's a lot of vamping, it's a lot of cool guitar sounds. This is what I grew up on. This mm-hmm. is what I want my guitar to sound like. So it sounds like that now. Yeah. Um. And and so it's less songs than it is about a feeling, which I understand is the point of his narrative on this album. But how much more powerful would it just be if we don't have an album and we're going to go around and we're going to play these shows and you're going to experience this like right in front of you. And then maybe... Do like a fish thing, you know, this comes from this, and you can you can get live recordings of it, but the real meat of it is uh is is right there in the show. And and to be to yeah, be fair yeah. and, and to sort of come clean about this, uh after seeing Dungeon perform Dunion at, at DC nine, mm-hmm. this is actually what I want from bands in, in twenty seventeen. I give in the, we have lost the ability to make good albums. Yeah, people. Uh, uh, that that's what's happened. Is it's not the music industry is dying. Is it? There's no the talent is not there. It was well. It was. It's there, but it's not in in the. Uh, it's not in the size of the industry that it, we're expected to support. So it's no wonder that you have all these bad albums that we end up talking about or not talking about because they're bad. <laughs> so so this isn't like a bad album. It's Thurston Moore. He is he's doing this Thurston Moore thing, but if. If it didn't exist, and then all, and I was like, "Well, he's doing three nights at Black Cat, or even Lincoln Theater here in D.C. Pick, pick your, pick your intimate venue, yeah, uh, and uh, and you can go see one of those nights, and then that's the only time you're going to see this piece. You you would be more it, likely to go, yeah, and than... and isn't that more valuable? Isn't that more like what musicians are supposed to do? Uh, it is, and he comes because he has ties to the sort of Lower East Side jazz scene of like Mark Rebo and uh, mm-hmm. John Lurie and all that. He's not unfamiliar with that, and and he also has ties to the avant garde community where you just Absolutely. sort of right. So so um, they've you know I think they worked with John Cage at one point, but uh, 
or David Tudor or someone like that. Um, what I think, I mean, I think there is, uh, I'm thinking about the Bob Mould album that we talked about <laughs> last yeah, year, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Which, um, and, and I'm also thinking about how, how excited I am for whenever Stephen Malcolmus puts out something new. Um, and, and I'm, I'm, I'll be the first to admit that I'm, I'm, I hold different, even though these artists are all doing the same thing and mm-hmm. they're arguably guilty of the same thing. I hold them to different standards because Stephen Malcolmus's music is like embedded in my marrow in a way that right. maybe Thurston Moore or Bob Mould aren't. Right. Um, but I think, but I, but I also think that, um, and I think this is objectively true is that there are more surprising things that are happening um, with Stephen Malcolmus than there, than there are with Mould or, or Thurston Moore. And that that's the point of continuing to make music is that if there's something new or yeah, surprising I, about I, it, I, even why, if, why is Mould in this conversation? Yeah. Because, because, because he's doing the same thing that he did in 1992 and, and, and people okay. are praising him for it. Um, and it's this, and it's basically the same and he's a, he's a peer of theirs. Right. So, right. um, okay. Okay. So, yeah. so, and he's someone who's, who, who arguably doesn't need to be putting new music into the world if it's just going to be the same as his old music. But, but Mold was never, Mold was always about pop music. It was, it was, it yeah. was pop punk. It was like, Mold was always about pavement and Malcolmus were, were something weird, but right. generally they, they, they ended up skewing towards pop. Same, same as Sebado did. Yeah. And Sebado falls right, into this. Right. Too. Right. Absolutely. Uh, although Lou Barlow is probably the superior songwriter out of all these guys. Yeah. Like the guy kills Sonic youth. Didn't. Sonic Youth was always about you well, could they had a you could they have, were a three headed monster yeah right? you, that you have you have tracks just right. out of nowhere you, you can have Ronaldo reciting you know something he wrote on acid walking around the East Village right you could have Kim Gordon just punching you in the face with songs that sounded <laughs> both seductive and vicious at the same time yep and then you could have Thurston Moore doing his sort of like you know uh, urban iconoclast yeah. uh, thing. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't, it's not an album that had to exist, but, but like I said earlier, like, I think, I think conceptually Thurston Moore is probably the only guy who gets to try to, to try to make this and to, and to sort of connect, to try to put rock and roll in this, uh, uh, it's kind of an obvious conceit, but this Dionysian Bacchanalian, right. Kind of religious, uh, the last song is called Aphrodite, right? Yeah. Um, and it has a psychedelic freak out. I, I, I appreciate conceptually what he's trying to do. The first few times I heard the album, I kept thinking like, oh, there's something really new here. And then I didn't listen to it. And, and I think that's when I was bugging you saying we should we should cover this. Um, when I didn't listen to it for a few days and I went back to it, I kind of thought, oh, wait, the new thing is really just the old thing. I didn't. It just right. took me. It was just right. wearing slightly different clothes and it took me a right. second to recognize but it's it. But it's comforting, right? It is. It is. You and I think, it and it's, it's And it's valid to want that. I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I agree. Tom Waits' next album isn't going to break any new ground, but I'm going to love it. It's, it's going to be another Tom Waits album. That is a true statement. It is going to be another Tom Waits and album. And I will like it. And so therefore I can't begrudge anyone liking this. Right. Yeah. It's, it's better it's better than how Bob Dylan is aging. I don't need to hear Thurston Moore doing a triple CD of Frank Sinatra tunes. Yeah. Um I don't need to hear him trying to be younger and hipper than he is. I think he's just sort of saying, "Hey guys, I still have this one trick that I can do." So so does I'm it, the, do the, it. the 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 by point I was I was making doesn't need to exist. I'm I'm I mean I I yeah, I don't I don't think there's a good argument you can make that it does. Right. I don't. I don't think it's doing any harm. 
No, it's not. It's not. It's um, I don't. But it, but it's it's not advancing the conversation. And 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 I think that's maybe largely true of his solo career. I don't. I don't think. I don't really go back to his solo albums. Um, in fact, I tried demolish thoughts again today, yeah. and just and just remember that I, I didn't. Yeah, I like best. Yeah. And 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 actually, to clarify that, so people don't understand, it, I'm not saying Thurston Moore should not make music. Right. This music, I think, does need to exist somewhere. Right. I just don't know if it needs to exist in an album. Well, especially because I don't, I, I can't imagine that the kids, it was, it's just, it, it's one of those things where like, it was just a different time. Like, like, yeah. like you heard about Sonic Youth from friends, you heard about it from zines, you heard about it because you saw the really cool artwork in a record mm-hmm. store or you heard it and you'd never heard like melodic feedback like that. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, uh, um, I was way, uh, yeah. I'm I'm all over the place on this. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, dude, it's ba- it's basically it, like to me, this is basement jams, which is, is fine. It is, yeah. but it, it it again, like I said, I I'd rather see him doing this thing where it this just exists in a live environment. Yeah, you don't yeah, get albums anymore a... because maybe he'll sell a few. Maybe he'll I, fuck if I know, man. Maybe he'll sell a lot. Yeah. I, well, he could, but I, but but you're right. I can't. Could, I can't imagine anybody would sell a lot of this, but maybe he will. But he could do a limited engagement tour. That's basically the poetry of Radio Radio. Yes, right. Um, yeah, and, exactly. Match those two. Yeah, you're done. And and he which play, is he probably plays, the tour. And he plays ten nights at the Beacon Theater, and yep. maybe like another five nights up and down the East Coast. And that's yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's it. And he could do that. Yeah, yeah. You're probably right about that. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> just I, I mean. Because we're not really critiquing like the music. Well, the music is well yeah. to, to critique the music. The music is fine. It's just Thurston Moore. It's just guitar vamps with with squonks with with awesome sort of like cosmic lyrics speaking to some like cosmic like yeah. Yeah. feminine figure. Uh, that's the theme of the album. Yep, yep, and yep. and uh, and it first like he's. You think it's a, it's actually a woman, but no, it's just like the universe. It's like check it yeah, out, right? We're doing that. So yeah, I mean, if, if you put it on, you're gonna be like, okay, yeah, cool. yeah. It's it's it's. There's nothing. There's right. There's nothing on here that'll make you turn it off. There's also nothing that when you put it on, like it'll hit like where the first note is just like ear piercing feedback, right? Yeah. Where where yeah. You, you 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 check your Walkman before you hit play on it, um, because you don't want to get harmed but uh <laughs> so, so, so what are you gonna do with this i'm a, I'm a i mean I, i'm i'm a, i'm a stream on this i i, I like this you're going one. back to stream instead of try <laughs> shit try i'm a try on this you did it My on bad. stapleton too no it's fine i did yeah no, I'm a but, try. It, but that's I'm a what try. you're gonna do with it you're gonna stream it once in a while um i i i am i i like this better than his other solo work um can you tell the difference <laughs> It actually, I, so I I think this is better than maybe the last. Everything after what was was it Nurse? Mm. I think was maybe the last. What I think was the last good Sonic Youth album, and then there were maybe two or three after that that I just thought were not doing anything. Right. Um, I think this is better than that. I think this is more interesting than that. Um, okay. But I think, but I think, really, what's best is is Sonic Youth when you have Thurston, Kim Gordon, and Lee Ronaldo trying to yeah create something together. Yeah. So. Which is yeah, I I'm uh, despite saying that the album shouldn't exist in the world, yeah. uh, you know, try, I, just try it out. I I I can't I because that's what's the weird thing. Uh, past now means this is worthless. Yeah, that it's not. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's not at all what we're saying. Like we're, we're I or at least what I'm saying. I'm saying 
as an album, as as a physical thing in the world, it's pretty worthless. The music that is contained on it is not at all worthless. Like he's coming here to DC, I'll go see him. Yeah, I was maybe say, I've we never can get seen... him down here in the basement, and he'll knock me the fuck out for yeah. saying what I just said. <laughs> I've seen, I saw Sonic Youth probably four or five times. I want to say I've never, I've never seen him solo, and so I, I guess I'm curious to know what that's like. It's awesome. But... It, it, it's an experience because he, okay. he does the he does the band thing, uh-huh. and then he'll just like stop and read poetry for forty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Which is exactly what you want. Yeah. Like yeah, that, yeah. That, if you're going to that show, that's exactly uh, that, that's exactly what I want. But uh yeah, so to to uh very degrees on uh there's the Moore's latest uh cool. He first saw her here enchanted signs everywhere similar Thurston Moore's Rock and Roll Consciousness uh, is out now everywhere you like to buy records or stream your records. Uh, it sits nicely alongside his entire catalog, uh, a, a righteous noise, if you will. I think he's going to be out on tour for this, and, and I think if, if the last tour so has any indication, um, you should go see him. If he's coming to your town, go see him, but we'll have tour dates in the show notes. Um, we'll also uh, keep, to, keep you updated if you're here in D.C. We'll send you a tweet to your face or something. Uh, now, I mentioned up front that we were going to be talking about a band called Chi Devils before we get out of here, and that's exactly what we're going to do. This band got together, I think, last year. We uh, Justin Beland occasionally writes for the site, and he, he sort of caught on to them, covered a track way back then. Well, now that they uh, that track did them a lot of good, and they've been picked up by Secretly Canadian, the sort of legendary indie label. Their uh, self-titled debut came out on May 19th, uh, it's a mix of sort of synth, pop, synth rock, surf guitar, um, and uh, sort of dreamy vocals. I think you're going to like it, and the latest single we've got for you right now is The World Laughs. So if you're ready to uh, get a little rock on, let's go. She Devils, off their self-titled LP, The World Laughs. Check you. 
Devils with the World Laughs. That album, uh, the self-titled LP, is out now via Secretly Canadian. You can get it anywhere. You can stream it anywhere. Uh, check it out. Check it out. Uh, I know a lot of people are, are really digging on that. And I know they were actually the, the talk of the town for South by Southwest. Apparently, they put on a hell of a show. So maybe if they're coming here to the nation's capital, we'll check them out. Maybe, if, uh, maybe we'll talk to them. I don't know. I was just in Montreal a few months ago. Love that town. So if they would just want to come talk about the city that they live in, that would be cool with me. That is about our uh, podcast for this week, this Monday. Uh, if you liked what you heard, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can leave us a message or a rating there. We appreciate that. You can always listen to us in Google Play, Stitcher, Mixcloud, up on SoundCloud. Um, got a few other things coming down the pipe where we might be available to you, maybe even on Bandcamp. What would you guys think about that? If we did it on Bandcamp, and you can download it or play the episodes whenever you want, and you can donate, imagine that, and you could say, hey, this is worth a dollar to me. Um, we might be doing something like that soon, but but we're going we're gonna to have to wait and see. Um, regarding our conversation that we had up front about Power Bottom, uh, really, guys, we're going to put as many show links, uh, links in the show notes as we can uh, to organizations that address sexual assault, that help out survivors of sexual assault, uh, and um, sort of guides on how to navigate these spaces if you're un- if you're unclear, and uh, and we we do all welcome uh, your comments and uh, and information. You know, nobody, we certainly don't. This is three three straight men in a basement talking about this, and uh, so so we don't know everything, um, but we do try to understand a lot and. Uh, yeah, I think together we can we can do something about it. I hope so. I hope so because it's fucking awful. Uh, so that's it. That's the podcast. We'll be back this Thursday talking some country music. Uh, Chris Stapleton's album, which is uh, it's pretty 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 good. Uh, but we, we're going to get into whether or not it's actually country or if it's rock. Yeah, you'll hear it. And uh, Eduardo and, uh, and and Mark Stelling are going to be back for that one. And then a little further on, we just taped something this weekend that I think is it's totally rad. We love the Grateful Dead here. We are big fans. All of us um, have listened to them for well over 30 years. And uh, we've never done a podcast on that. So I think probably the second weekend of June, it's just going to be Dead Week based on their... They were talking about their new release, uh, Get Shown the Light, the box that they put out. In the meantime, if you don't, if you haven't heard that, go out and, and check it out. The Barton Hall Show is up on all streaming services, but you can uh, you can find the CDs out there. I mean, it's, it's, it's all out there, but good stuff to check out. Um, all right, we'll be back in a few short days. Until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. Talk to you soon. <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi! <laughs> <laughs>